Welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we hope will inspire, encourage, and challenge you to grow closer to God. So sit back, prepare your heart, and see where God can take you. Man, it has been such an incredible season for my wife and I, man. We just feel like we're thriving in our, uh, our new roles. We just absolutely love what we're doing. And man, we know that has so much to do with our, our leadership, man. Thank you so much, Pastor Jeff and Miss Donna Abels for all you guys do. Y'all are incredible. Put y'all hands together for our pastors. They're absolutely amazing. Thriving in this season, thriving. But I'm gonna be honest with y'all. I have had other jobs that I have not thrived in near as well. Um, one of those jobs that I did, I was a Kirby vacuum salesman. If you're not familiar with what that is, I would go door to door trying to sell a $2,000 vacuum cleaner. And I was horrible at it. I was, I was, I was bad, like, like bad, bad. So one time I knock on this door and then the idea is, I'm gonna give you a free demonstration. I'm gonna clean your living room, and then at the end, I'm gonna sell you this $2,000 vacuum cleaner. That's, that's how it goes. So I knock on this lady's door, sweet elderly, older lady, and, and she's in a wheelchair. And um, so obviously she's like, you wanna come in and clean my living room? Come on in. So I'm in there, and I'm like picking this it's a heavy vacuum. I'm picking this heavy vacuum up and I'm like walking all over her living room. I'm like vacuuming the curtains and just cleaning everything. And when it gets time for the sales pitch, I'm like, you know, it's only $2,000. She's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> if it was $1,000, I can't pick that thing up. I can't do what you just did. So I'm like, oh, I'm horrible at this job. So then, so then the next, the next, opportunity that I have to get inside of someone's house, I knock on the door. Now, mind you, it's a Tuesday morning at like 9.30 a.m. And when the guy opens the door, it smells like nothing but marijuana and weed. And, uh, you know, there were some cues I should have picked up on there. I didn't pick up on them. I wasn't good at my job. So, hey, bro, I want to come in. I want to clean your house. Dope. You know, like, come in, man, clean up. So I'm, I'm cleaning his living room, and uh, it gets time for that sales pitch, and he's like, yeah, bro, I don't have $2,000. I was like, well, look, if, you're, if, you're, uh, you know, if, if your credit is good enough, then, um, you know, we could run your credit, and we could finance you this, this, this Kirby vacuum cleaner. So he's like, run it, run it. Well, the guy didn't get approved for the Kirby vacuum cleaner. My boss brings me in his office, he's like, Matt, you know, there were things that you should have picked up on from the beginning, like, you know, he's smoking weed, it's Tuesday morning, he might not have a job, his credit might not be too good, you know. So I was horrible at it, I was horrible at this job. So listen, my quota, I had to sell a vacuum cleaner a week. I didn't sell one vacuum, like the entire time I worked there. It got so bad, I told one of my coworkers, I told him, I was like, man, I'm about to drop the price to $10 just to get someone to buy a vacuum so I can go back in my boss's office and tell him I sold a vacuum cleaner. Because if you lower the price for something, then it's really easy to get people to buy it. I believe that a lot of people have been bought into Christianity so easily 
and found it so disappointing and difficult because a lot of people make Christianity appear so cheap. Now listen, now listen, I am so blessed. We are all so blessed to, to be underneath the leadership of Pastor Jeff and man, he doesn't stray away from those hard topics. So aren't you guys thankful to have a pastor who preaches the full gospel? But you hear people say things like, follow Jesus and everything's gonna be great. It's gonna be a walk in the park. Just, just believe and it'll be okay. Or, or this one, just name whatever you want and you can have it. Name it and claim it. You guys, that is not the message of the cross. That is a cardboard version of the real cross. Then we hear people say things like, Man, that Christianity thing, it isn't, it isn't working for me. And I, and, and I don't know why. Well, it's because the message has become this cheap Western culture version of the real cross instead of the real thing that Jesus preached about. So we're gonna look at a passage of scripture where a man runs up to Jesus asking him, what, what do I need to do to follow you? What do I need to do to be saved? And so I wanna look at that passage of scripture with you this, this uh, afternoon. And um, man, I wanna see how Jesus responded to this man's questions. We're gonna be reading out of Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 16. Now we're not gonna read the entire passage. We're gonna skip through a few verses. Uh, verse 17 reads, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The next few verses are Jesus giving a list of commandments. So you fast forward a few verses down to verse 20. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him, but there is still one thing you have not done. Go and sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, man, at this the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Fast forward down four verses, verse 26 reads, the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? They asked. That's the question. That's the topic that I want to answer today. What do we have to do to be saved? What was Jesus saying in that passage? Was Jesus saying that we need to follow a list of commandments? Was Jesus saying that we need to empty out our bank accounts to be saved? What was he saying? If you're taking notes, the title of my message this morning, this afternoon, is the key to Christ's kingdom. The key to Christ's kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, I pray, Father, that your word goes forth this morning and it not return void as you promised. God, we thank you that eyes will be opened. God, that we'll live a life dedicated and living for you, Father. Lord, we thank you in advance for all you're gonna do. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You see, just by growing up or being in the South, um, just by default, our culture has one of two lies 
embedded in it. You're gonna, you're gonna re- relate or notice one of these two lies. The first lie is this, that Jesus is our savior and does not do anything else for us this side of eternity. The second lie is that Jesus is our savior and he makes life perfect as soon as we accept him as savior. Both are improper views of Jesus. I believe the reason why so many Americans call themselves themselves Christians, but yet still go out to the bar, still party, still treat their wife like trash, still don't look any different than an unbeliever is because they have not been told what authentic Christianity looks like. They have not been told what it's all about. They have been led to believe that once you accept Jesus Christ as savior, you can do whatever you want, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, and it'll all work out, right? Because one day you're gonna get to heaven. That is not the message of the cross. Authentic Christianity is letting Jesus have all of you and allowing him to be the Lord over your life. Christianity is peddled so cheap that lots of people have bought in to a cardboard version of a real cross. You see, when I first accepted Christ, I prayed, man, I I had a true, genuine moment with God, man, gave my life to Jesus, uh, left service, didn't change anything about my life, was still struggling with depression, anxiety, addiction, nothing changed except I prayed a prayer. Then I figured, well, maybe I just need to get baptized. Like, as soon as I get baptized, right, I'm a new creation. All things are new, the old is past. I got baptized and that wasn't my story. It got so bad that I believed that I had made up the encounter I had with Jesus, that the moments I had with God, man, I, Matt, you, you, you missed it. You, you must've been high or something because that really didn't happen. And I strayed, I strayed away from God. But as I've grown in my Jesus journey, I've realized the problem was not Jesus. It was my misconception of what I thought my Jesus journey would look like. I thought I would pray a prayer and then everything would be perfect. Go to heaven when I die. But I've learned that is not the message of the cross. The message of the cross was never for you to live a normal life and get a passport to heaven when you die. You were called to be the light. You were called to bring a change to your unbelieving neighbors. You were called to make a difference in your families at your workplace. You were called to follow his example and bring the truth of the gospel to every place that you plant your feet. You have a mission in front of you. He died so you could invade hell with the heaven that you have inside of you here on this side of eternity. You weren't born to fit in. You were born to be set apart from this world. You were born to follow the path that he set for us. And listen, when it comes to that path, Jesus never said it would be easy. He just said it would be worth it. So there are three things we're going to look at, and I believe that you need to understand if you are going to follow Jesus and follow the real message of the cross. The first point that I wanna make is that you have not only been called to believe, you've been called to obey. You have not only been called to believe, you have been called 
to obey. You see, my life didn't start changing until I started changing my life. Everything didn't change because I prayed a prayer. No, 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 I prayed a prayer. Holy Spirit came into my life and started convicting me on the things that I now needed to change. But if I wasn't listening to the Holy Spirit and I'm going back to the same ways, why would I think anything would be any different? Change happens when you make change happen. Believing alone by itself, it isn't enough. Not at least the way the American culture and the word in the English language means the word belief. It's not enough. Merely believing in Jesus Christ does not make someone an authentic Christian. If that's all it took, Satan would be one. Woo! Tweet that one. Woo! James 2, verse 19 through 20 says, you say you have faith, for you believe there's one God. Good for you. That, that was a little sarcastic, right? Like, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Your belief, church, your belief in Jesus Christ should spark a change inside of your life. The reason Christianity doesn't stick for so many of us, because we cut away the parts of the cross that we don't like. Hold up, hold up. Only date Christians? <laughs> nah, not that part. Mm. Treat my wife with respect? Mm-mm. Be nice to that lady at McDonald's, even though she messed my order up for the fifth time. Stop treating, like my, stop treating my family like garbage. Nah. That's who I've always been. That's who I am. Spend time with God outside of Sunday mornings? Nah, I'm good. Our walk with Jesus is more than a fling or a hookup or a Sunday morning date. It's a lifelong commitment and a lifelong journey. And that brings me to my second point. The second thing you need to understand if you're gonna follow Jesus is that Jesus wants more than a date. Jesus wants a bride. Jesus wants a bride. God views the sin in our lives as lovers that are getting in the way of our relationship with him. If I came home and I told my beautiful wife, hey honey, I'm only gonna date the girls that I, that I dated before I met you, our marriage is gonna be okay, right? How many of y'all know how silly that sounds? But yet as Christians, we meet God and oh, you know what? I'm gonna bring everything that I had from my past into the relationship with God, expecting God to bless it. Oh, I'm, 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 living in a, I'm in a relationship, living together, having sex together, but we met God together, but you're not married? No, 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 no. God views those things as sin in our, those sin in our lives as getting in the way of the relationship with him. It's time to make a decision to follow Jesus no matter what we need to lay behind, no matter what things we gotta give up. We can't bring our old junk into our new life. 
or you won't experience the new life that God promises. He's called us to lay everything down from our past. God looks like sin. God looks at sin like other lovers in our lives. We have to get rid of anything, anything that gets in the way of our relationship with Jesus. Now let's, with all of that in context, we're gonna go back to the original passage of scripture. So Mark 10 verse 21 says, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Listen, Jesus was not saying that money was a bad thing, but he knew that this man had placed money above God, that he had placed his money and his possessions in the way of his walk with Jesus. The key words in this passage were, come follow me. Anything that Jesus tells us to get rid of should be no problem at all. It should be a no-brainer. We need to chase after Jesus with everything that we have, no matter what Jesus asks us to lay down. Now, let me just say this. We are not saved by works. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus, but true, authentic faith always changes our actions. And I'm not here to put a legalistic religion on you, but if you say you believe in Jesus Christ, then your life should start to look different. You want the key to Christ's kingdom? Simple, it's him. Jesus is the key to Christ's, the key to Christ's kingdom. It's chasing after him no matter the cost. Jesus knew this man's possessions were stopping him from following Jesus. What things are stopping you from following Jesus? What things are getting in the way of your walk with God? Is it because you're comfortable with where you're at? Too nervous or scared to step out in faith? Too lazy? Maybe you're plagued with anxiety? Maybe you're worried about what others will think about you. God says that as we step out in faith, those things we'll start to realize don't matter as much anymore because God has a bigger plan for you than you could ever imagine. He says, where you have fear, I will give you faith. Where you have anxiety, I'll give you peace. You're worried about what other people are gonna think about you? You'll be loved and accepted by your Father in heaven. There is a mission field that you've gotta conquer. You've gotta get past your flesh and start walking in what God has for you. He wants to use you to bring hope to the people that are all around you, but it starts by putting aside your own wants and picking up your own cross. Jesus said that we were to pick up our cross daily. He didn't just say to pick it up on Sunday mornings. No, we are to follow Jesus daily. And it was never about what we can get from this walk. It was always about who we get when we walk. And that only comes by submitting to the Lordship of Jesus. I'm going to blow your minds. Did you know that the message of the Bible isn't so much Jesus the Savior? 
Now, let me, let me just say this. It is a message in the Bible. And, and the entire Bible is the redemption of mankind. But when you read scripture, Jesus the Savior is used 37 times. God is Lord is used 7,736 times. The message of the Bible is redemption of mankind with God as our Lord. That's the message of the gospel. You may be thinking right now, well, man, why do we hear so much more about God as our Savior versus God as our Lord? You ready for it? Because everyone wants a Savior, not everyone wants a Lord. Woo! Mm, stop doing those shady business deals. Stop having sex before marriage. Nah, that part of the cross isn't for me. Stop watching porn. Man, God will forgive me. He's a, he's a forgiving God. He's a gracious God. We cut away parts of the cross that we don't like. When we take out the parts of the cross that we don't like, it becomes more about I and less about him. The third thing you need to understand if you're going to follow Jesus, to live for Jesus means to die to self. To live to Jesus means to die to self. Listen to the words of Jesus um, in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. In the context of this passage when it was written, the cross was not a necklace that people were walking around with. It wasn't a tattoo that people had on their bodies. No, no, no. The cross was a literal instrument of death. It would be equivalent today to saying, hey, you need to pick up your electric chair. He was saying, you must die to yourself. Your will, your, your will has to go. Your preferences have to go. They need to leave. Your vision for your life needs to change. You need to start spending so much time with God that you start to get his heart for your life, his vision for your life, his will for your life. You see, the cross is where your plans and God's plans cross. And the gospel is at that intersection where your will dies and God's will prevails. I'm reminded, I'm reminded of a story that I think helps really kind of emphasize the point that I want to make here. And um, it's about uh, a ruler by the name of Alexander the Great. Um, this ruler was known to be very, very um, a stern ruler. And they had a soldier in his army one day. They were, they were conquering different countries. And this soldier decided he didn't want to be a part of this army anymore. He was too scared. He didn't want to do it. 
So one day he made this plan that he was going to sneak out and he was gonna desert the army. The story goes on to say that one of the generals heard some, some shifting around one night and he woke up and he saw this young man, this soldier deserting the army. So he runs after him, he grabs him and he says, sir, you've been charged with treason. You are going to stand trial in front of Alexander the Great. So they arrest the man, they put him in a carriage and they ship him back to Greece where he's gonna stand trial before Alexander the Great. The story goes on to say that when he, when he walks into the, to the room, Alexander's standing there with his sword at his side in his throne. And as the man walks in, Alexander the Great screams, sir, what is your name? The soldier's terrified. He's shaking. He can't, he can't even get any words out. He's so scared. When, when, when Alexander sees his response, it infuriates him. He jumps up off of his throne. He grabs the sword. He runs over. He picks up the soldier. And he says, sir, what is your name? The soldier whimpers out. It's Alexander. This catches Alexander the Great so off guard that he sets the soldier down and he looks at that man and he tells him, sir, change your conduct or change your name. I believe that if Jesus was standing here this morning and you call yourself a Christian, but yet you behave and act like the world and nobody can tell the difference between your walk and an unbeliever's walk, I believe Jesus would stand here today and he would say, you call yourself a Christian, change your conduct or change your name. 